Welcome to Navigating the North. I'm Dan Plucker, the executive producer of the Wendy's Big Show, host of Have Sam and Man on Demand, and now with you here on Navigating the North. Welcome in. Always a pleasure to talk with you. And guys, we are just days, not weeks anymore, not moments anymore, days away from the NFL trade deadline coming up on Tuesday. And guys, we're halfway through the season almost. Week 8 starts today. I'm coming at you on a Thursday, pretty much as Thursday night football is happening between the Carolina Panthers and the Atlanta Falcons. And at that moment, at the end of that game, we will be at the halfway point of the NFL team still expected to play Sunday, Monday, yada, yada, yada. But, wow, it's crazy to think that we've gotten this far already. I feel like we just started. But nonetheless, the Packers, let's get into it. Uh, the Packers 5-1 and one on the year. They win against the Houston Texans 35-20. to 20. Aaron Rodgers, a masterful performance, 283 yards and four touchdowns. Devontae Adams was back last week, but really, he was back this week. 13 receptions, 196 yards and two touchdowns. On the day, and that that combo may be the best in the NFL. Not only did they win by two touchdowns, uh, they let Houston kind of back into it in the fourth quarter. They were up quite a bit. Uh, Houston scored a couple garbage time points, and they were also without their starting running back, Aaron Jones, their starting left tackle, David Bakhtiari, Kevin King, their starting cornerback, and a few others as well. And guys, they, they dominated the game from start to finish. And David Bakhtiari said it when he joined the Wendy's Big Show on Tuesday, the left tackle. He said that this coaching staff did something that his previous coaching staff would not do. And they adapted and overcame with their game plan to focus on the guys they did have, like Jamal Williams now starting instead of Aaron Jones. And that is just such a good thing to hear from the front office that they can make those kinds of changes heading into a game week where they are now a team that can have that next man up mentality. We talk about it all the time and we talk about how teams need to have that mentality all the time, but we see that in the green Bay Packers. And that's the kind of thing that you need to win a super bowl. That's the kind of mentality you need to have. Cause what happens when, one of your best players, like a Bakhtiari, goes down for several weeks during the playoffs. They showed, Billy Turner showed, that he can make that switch, and he can play pretty much any spot on the offensive line, switches from right tackle to left tackle. He's also played guard this year. The dude plays everywhere, and he can do it well. Enough at a starting level where he can protect Aaron Rodgers. I mean, the Texans, I believe, let me double check, they did not have a single sack on Sunday. Yeah, confirm that. They did not have a single sack on Sunday in a depleted Packers offensive line. Shout out to the offensive line. Strong game, strong game from the offense altogether. The defense, had they not given up the garbage time 13 points in the fourth quarter, also would have probably been their best defensive performance of the season. And overall, the Packers just win, baby. They just win. And because they're winning, 
they're putting themselves in a position to add at the deadline. And for the first time in a long time, I think that that's possible. Uh, today on the North, I'm also going to be through here talking trade deadline, talking trades that I'd like to see each of the teams in the NFC North make, discuss what they already have done for some of the teams, and kind of project out where we're sitting here for each team. The Packers for sure are a buyer if they make a move, and they should. And here's why. Compensatory draft picks. They have probably three fourth-round picks coming this season. That's what they're projected to have at this point. And based on the history of fourth-round picks that we've seen from Green Bay, I mean, let's go over it over the last couple of years. Last year, they didn't have one. They traded up in the first round to get Jordan Love. The year prior, in 2019, they didn't have one. In 2018, their fourth-round pick, Jamon Moore, the wide receiver that was cut, no longer with the team. Beagle, B team. Jamal Williams, too, credit where credit is. The year before, Blake Martinez, Dean Lowry. Lowry's still on the team, makes way too much money, is underperforming. Blake Martinez, no longer with the Packers. Jake Ryan in 2015. So over the last five years, one player, two players, excuse me, that are still on the roster. And both of them are backups. That's not what you want from your fourth round picks. And that shows you the kind of value that you can project with a fourth round pick. Yet somehow, some way in the flawed system of NFL trades, a fourth round pick is has good value. You can get a pretty solid player for a fourth round pick. And we're looking at players here that can make a huge difference for Green Bay. You want maybe names that have been thrown around that I've seen so far. J.J. Watt. You want uh, Amari Cooper. You want uh, Will Fuller. A big-name dude that you want to come in and make a difference. But the thing is, and what people forget, that's that's what all the fans want. But the thing is, and what people forget, is the Packers never make sexy moves like that. They never go out there and spend big and get a guy like that, of that caliber. If any of those names I just listed were to happen, the most likely is probably Will Fuller. He hints with Matt LaFleur. Matt LaFleur was his coach at Notre Dame, and he's the one guy from the Houston Texans I could see maybe they going they, they go in on. But, and I've said this both on the air here on 1250 AM, The Fan, and also on Half Sam and Dan on The Fan, another producer's podcast that I do, that guys, why not go back and get Randall Cobb? And he might not even be worth a fourth round pick. He could probably be a sixth, maybe, maybe, maybe fifth. Can you imagine a wide receiver group of Devontae Adams, Randall Cobb, and Alan Lazard? And it's not the big, bolsterous move that the Pack that so many fans want the Packers to make. But think about it. He's a guy that's been in Green Bay before. He has the Packer mentality that we always hear about. He he does the Packer way, all of that. He fits the feng shui of this franchise. Not only that, he's the exact type of wide receiver they need. The shorter, speedy, not as speedy as before, but still speedy, deep threat, in the slot that we all hoped MVS would be. Randall Cobb is the perfect guy 
to come back to Green Bay. He also has the relationship with Aaron Rodgers. Aaron Rodgers said just last week he was one of his favorite wide receivers he used to throw to leading up to the Texans game, the game they just played. How can you not think of a guy like Randall Cobb? It's going to be, if they do make a trade, it's going to be somebody of the Randall Cobb caliber. I don't think they're going to go out and spend a big draft pick on a J.J. Watt because that's what it's going to wind up taking. If if they do, I mean, I hope I'm wrong. Like, for Packers fans, I'm hope, I hope I'm wrong. I mean, who knows? Maybe they will wind up spending a first and a third to get J.J. Watt and Will Fuller. But I think that's too fantasy land for this. I think we have to get back to reality a little bit when it comes to the trade deadline. Too many times that happens where we just kind of lose focus and think of, oh, what if this happened? Because I tell you what, if they add a J.J. Watt, if they add an Amari Cooper, that's money on the books next year, big money on the books next year, that you cannot give to guys like David Bakhtiari, like Aaron Jones, like Corey Lindsley if they decide to resign him, like Kevin King if they decide to resign And in the future, also, guys like Devontae Adams. You have to think not just of the right now, but also for the future, And I don't know if fans nor the franchise is willing to give up on future years and start a rebuild based on the team that they have this season. So a Randall Cobb is much more fitting for what I think they can do. He's owed, I believe it's like eight and a half, nine million dollars a year for the next three seasons. Not a great, not a, not an outstanding contract. It's a Bill O'Brien contract and he got fired in Texas for the Houston Texans. But it's it's enough, you know. It's it's not it's not too overbearing where you can't maybe work something out with somebody else on the roster, or maybe even with Cobb with Cuscount to play with a guy that's playing at an MVP level right now in Aaron Rodgers. Randall Cobb makes more sense than any other name that's been listed, in my opinion. Another name that was thrown out today by a caller here on the Wendy's Big Show on 1250 AM, the fan, the show that I produce, was Golden Tate. Another name I don't hate. Kind of an older receiver, a veteran receiver, somebody that's actually played against the Packers quite a bit in his career and his time with the Lions, and somebody that unless you are a fan of his team, you're probably not a fan of him. And I'm not saying that because he's a bad guy. I'm just saying that he's very cocky when it comes to on-the-field play. He's very confident. He likes to showboat a little bit. But... That kind of mentality is something that Green Bay has not really seen from their receiver core. A lot of the guys in there now are quieter dudes, uh, and that's okay. There's no problem with that, but a little pizzazz is not a bad thing. And I think Golden Tate would provide that. Similar to Randall Cobb, though. $8 million owed next season and the season afterward. And the season afterward. Next three years, I believe he has a deal with the New York Giants. But again, I think that's kind of a fire sale situation in New York Maybe they spend a pick and get him. Those are the two guys that that I think is a more rational outlook if you're going to add to the wide receiver group or at all this season. But we've seen overall the Packers don't they they don't really care about the wide receiver position, which I think is a downfall of the team right now. I think they could add a wide receiver. I think they could add a linebacker. I think they could add a defensive end because they're edge rushers have not been good this year. Preston and Zadarius Smith, for as good as they were last year, are not having anywhere near the seasons they did last year, especially Preston Smith. At least Zadarius has been admirable, but he has not been 
great. He has not lived up to the expectations we all had for him. So, knowing that, I think that they're going to go with an under-the-radar move again. I mean, they added Seth Roberts. That's nothing great. He's a wide receiver, a slot guy, but he's not quite big enough, not quite veteran enough for this locker room for Aaron Rodgers and for the team. He's not a difference maker. He's not going to push the needle towards the Super Bowl. I think a guy like Randall Cobb, even though he isn't the biggest name in the entire world that's being tossed around in conversations with the Green Bay Packers, I think he still moves that needle. And it still gives you the possibility of spending one of those fourth rounders on maybe a better linebacker, maybe a backup offensive lineman. I don't know why they would do that, but potentially if somebody gets hurt or a position somewhere, maybe a corner. I don't know. But right now, if we're talking wires for a trade, Randall Cobb or a Golden Tate makes a lot more sense to me than some of the bigger names out there. We'll talk about a couple other trades. Uh, recap the Lions game. They're upset over the Falcons. And yeah, I'll call it an upset, even though the Falcons uh, were 1-5 heading into the game. We'll talk about the Bears and their big loss to the Rams. And the Vikings coming off the bye week, facing the Green Bay Packers. All that is next here on Navigating the North. I'm Dan Plucker. What kind of pressure do they put on Matthew Stafford? He has time. Hesitates, throws, touchdown, Lions! And TJ Hawkinson! Great. Close week one, didn't make it happen, and uh, had another opportunity this week, and uh, was glad to get it done for the guys. I mean, unbelievable plays all around, made by our team. Um, great plays on defense, shoot, letting them score. I mean, I, I had my helmet on thinking the game was probably going to be over. Um, they let them score, gave us a chance. That's all we needed. So, uh, proud of those guys for making that play. Um, some huge plays in that two-minute drive or one-minute drive, whatever it was. And uh, obviously, Prater having to make the longest extra point ever, I feel like, uh, was great as well. How about those Detroit Lions? What a game. That uh, that audio clip from Fox, the highlight in that game there at the beginning of that clip. Yeah. How about the Lions? Against the Atlanta Falcons on the road and come back marching down the field with less than a minute left. And Stafford finds Hawkinson for a touchdown to win it. What a game. That is such a good mark on the season. They've now moved to 3-3. Three and three. They're 500. And quite honestly, they could have been 4-2 and two if DeAndre Swift hadn't dropped a ball in week one. Then they would have beaten the Chicago Bears. They could be 4-2 and two right now. They're 500. And you know what? They're buying. They went and they traded for defensive end Everson Griffin from the Dallas Cowboys for a fifth-round pick. Conditional six that could end up being a fifth-round pick. I assume it's going to wind up being a fifth-round pick. And that's wild to me. The Lions are now in a position where... They, because... How in the world did we get here? Just weeks ago... We were talking here on Navigating the North, I'm Dan Plucker, with the possibility of the Lions being the worst team in the NFL. And now, they're right back in this thing. I can't comprehend it. I don't know how it's possible. But now, Patricia and Bob Quinn, 
as much as I don't necessarily like moves that they've mentioned that they've led this team, they have the possibility of maintaining their jobs after fans calling for them to lose their jobs for quite some time now. The running game against the Falcons here, not strong. 21 carries, 64 yards after DeAndre Swift had a breakout week last week. He was nearly non-existent, three yards a carry. But Matthew Stafford probably had his best game of the season, 340 yards and a touchdown. Galladay looked strong. Marvin Jones showed up for the first time. Hawkinson obviously had a bit of the game-winning score. Matt Prater, God, are we lucky to have Matt Prater as Lions fans. He kicked a 51-yard field goal and also uh, the extra point that won them the game from 45 yards because the Lions somehow, someway, Lions, almost Lions to this ball game after scoring the game-winning touchdown uh, when it was tied. And they had a penalty, which took them back 15 yards from an original deeper, longer field goal over the last couple of seasons for the extra point. And luckily, boy, are they lucky he hit it. Because if they hadn't and they wound up losing that game in overtime, I'm not sure it would have gotten much worse as a Lions fan. But nonetheless, they're 3-3. Three and three, And they have a favorable schedule going forward. They still play. They play the Colts this week. So that's a pretty tough game. But you go after that at Vikings, against the Washington football team, at Panthers, against the Texans. And that's that's four winnable games in a game third in the NFC North. And just two games, a game and a half behind the Chicago Bears. I don't know. This is this is the first time that there's been a little bit of hope just because they play a rather weaker schedule going forward here. And seven wins in the last ten games here put puts them at ten and six. And that's a playoff spot. Maybe even nine and seven is a playoff spot. The thing is, though, and I think this is something that uh, I can't get myself all caught up in, and that's the fact that they're the Detroit Lions. They they give you a little bit of hope occasionally. I would say about every other year. And they find a way to ruin it all. It happens every year. They give you hope, and they... Just as quickly take it away. And that's what my biggest fear is. And my even bigger fear now is that as of today, uh, the New England Patriots are fire selling their team. And with Matt Patricia and Bob Quinn, as we already spoke of, they love their New England Patriots players and their former New England Patriots players because they are both formerly of the New England Patriots. I believe right now on their roster, they have 10 former Patriots, and they have more former Patriots on the roster now than they have Detroit Lions from when they took over in their tenure. And that, to me, is just mortifying that New England is fire-selling because there are guys out there like Stephon Gilmore, who is a stud. Don't not get me wrong. One of the best, if not the best in the league. But if Bill Belichick dangles him in front of Matt Patricia and says, hey, give us a first rounder. Give us a second rounder. He's yours. That's mortifying to me. Because I don't know if this team is in a position where 
No, I, I do know. They're yeah. position where they can contend for a Super Bowl this season. If they would give up a first and a sec- or a second round pick and then not make the playoffs, it would be just the peak of my disdain for this front office and this coaching staff. And at that point, they have to get fired. I, I, I really think th- the Fords have come to the GM and the coach and said, if you don't make the playoffs this year, your careers in Detroit are over. And that makes me nervous. Because if they've been told that, don't you think they're going to do whatever they can to go out there and add more? I mean, they already gave up a fifth-round pick this season, but don't you think they're going to go out there and add more? And the Lions don't have a lot of picks as it is. They traded their seventh-round pick last year along with Quandre Diggs to the Seahawks for a fifth-rounder who they picked a punt returner with in Jason Huntley, and I believe they cut him. What a horrible move that was last year by Bob Quinn. And now with the Everson Griffin pick, they're out either a sixth or a fifth rounder. So they have, at most, their first five picks in next year's draft, which are the best five picks. But if they're thinking buying, and they're thinking of calling New England and picking up another dude, probably means we're, especially if it's Gilmore, we're probably losing a second, if not a first round pick in that scenario. And if they flop, and they finish the season with three wins, that's a top five pick. And I wouldn't count that out. I wouldn't count out the possibility of the Lions have already won their last game this year just because they're the Detroit Lions. They have the talent there, but I don't believe in the coach and I don't believe in the GM. And I'm mortified. I am terrified now that New England is selling and that Matt Patricia and Bob Quinn are going to look at that and think, hey, we could we could maybe squeeze out a Stephon Gilmore here and make a run, even though I don't think they're in a position to. And if they forfeit a top 10 pick in any trade, it doesn't even have to be with the Patriots, but if they still think they're adding and they're still going to go out and get another big-name guy, that is just about the absolute... Worst thing. I don't even want to think about it. I don't even want to think about it. Let's let's move on. I don't even want to think about it. Lions Colts this Sunday at noon should be an interesting game, and it's telling for what's going forward. One last thing, I guess I'll say on the Lions: if the Falcons had beat them, if they had not made that comeback, and they're sitting at two and four, I don't think they're buying. I don't think they make the Everson Griffin move. I don't think that they'll make another move. I think they're actually selling. I think they consider trading a Kenny Galladay, which I'm dumbfounded by because apparently they still might, according to 97-1, the ticket. They said that there was a report out that the Giants had had conversations with them. Of course, they said it was nothing too serious, but even so, that's just scary for me. Let's move on to another team that scares me. That's the Minnesota Vikings. And uh, they scare me because they're so bad. I, I'm scared to watch them. It's just to, so tough to see this team going through what they're going through. I mean, we talk about the Titans being one of the top five, top ten teams in the NFL. Lost to them by one. Same thing with the Seahawks. Lost to them by one. They've been in winnable games this season, for sure. There's no doubt about it. But nonetheless, they're one in five. And now, Daniil Hunter had a season-ending neck surgery, and they've dealt Yannick Ngakwe 
for a third-round pick to the Baltimore Ravens. And this week, they come back after a bye. They're without their two best edge rushers, and they face the Green Bay Packers. Worst case. Dalvin Cook, thankfully, is back. He's healthy. Sounds like he's playing. Uh, But they're going to be without another cornerback, Mike Hughes. And their cornerbacks are why they got torched in week one by the Packers. It's going to happen again. Packers win big. Um, I don't remember what I said on navigating the North or excuse me on have Sam and Dan on the fan, the other podcast that I do, but I don't know. I think it's, I think I said 45, 14. I think that's where we're sitting at here. I, I 42, 42, 14 is what I said. Packers win 42, 14. I think it's that big of a, a blowout. And if we're looking at potentially other players that the Minnesota Vikings can deal, Guys that are potentially on the last year of their contracts. I mean, unfortunately, they're stuck with dudes like Kirk Cousins, Adam Thielen. Kirk Cousins, I mean, they just extended the guy. And now he's, and and now he's, you know, he's Kirk Cousins. He's nothing, nothing special. We talked about it last week on the podcast. I think he's a border, border, top 10 quarterback. But he's not the dude that's going to lead you to a Super Bowl, I don't think. Um, if we're looking at it here, I mean, maybe, maybe if they get wowed, they deal a Harrison Smith. Maybe. I think Kyle Rudolph is up in the air as well, too. He's making $7 million, and Herb Smith is now the starting tight end there. Maybe they part ways with Riley Reef. Um, they got a few rookie, younger inside linebackers, um, guys like Eric Kendricks, who yield them. A better pick. They're not going to move Justin Jefferson or Jeff Gladney. They're two first-round picks from this year. But you got to think there are a couple names out there where if somebody comes calling, they got to at least consider it at this point. Because at what point tear down this roster? And just and I don't know. I don't know when that point is. I don't think it's this. I think the Vikings stick with it. I think they're going to stick with Kirk Cousins. I think they expect him to be that dude. And I think... They're putting faulty expectations on a guy like that. Speaking of faulty expectations, maybe I had some faulty expectations for the Chicago Bears as they just get ransacked by the Los Angeles Rams. I'll talk about that coming up next here on Navigating the Time. Dan Plucker. There's not a whole lot to say in that locker room other than in these situations, um, we got to be able to show what type of resolve we have to, to bounce back from something like this. Uh, I, I thought that, um, you know, I don't know all the stats, all the numbers in, in the three phases, but I just felt like we knew defensively there was going to be times that they got chunks on us on, with their offense, but we were going to, you know, bend and not break. I, I thought our defense for the most part did that. Uh, obviously stating the obvious, the, the offense, we, we, um, we got to get stuff figured out. Uh, it's not, not good enough and to, you know, to be outscored by your, by your defense obviously is, is unacceptable too. So. Unacceptable is definitely what that is. The Chicago bears offense still has not figured it out. And guys, first off, I just want to say, I want to apologize uh, for the recording so far. It looks like there's been a couple jumps and skips here and uh, may not be the best audio. I apologize for that, but thanks for tuning in up until this point. This is Navigating the North. I'm Dan Plucker. That was Matt Nagy, the Chicago Bears head coach that you just heard. And man, is it just a rough time to be a Chicago Bears fan. I mean, you have all the hope in the world, 
But guys, I, I still have hope in this team. I do. I do. The Rams are a good football team. Are they a great football team? No. Are the Bears a great fo- football team? No. They have the potential to be great, for sure. But they are not great. They're good. They're good enough to make the playoffs. That's what I've been standing by. I'm going to stand by that. I think the Chicago Bears still make the playoffs this season. But they need more consistent quarterback play still. Obviously, what we saw from Nick Foles was not much better than what we would have saw from Mitch Trubisky against the Los Angeles Rams. 261 yards, two picks, 28 of 40. He was sacked four times, so a little bit of that is on the offensive line as well. But And more as well, what this is on is their running game. Less than 50 yards. This is the second time that's happened in three games. And it's happened three games in a row where the Bears have rushed for less than 75. David Montgomery, where are you at? You're the guy that's supposed to be the future of the Chicago running game. And you're nowhere to be found. Tree Cohen's hurt, so it's not his fault. I mean, at what point do you hand the reins over to Corderell Patterson? A natural kick returner who's played wide receiver and kind of all over the backfield. Excuse me for the Bears. And now to make matters worse, Allen Robinson, who I've talked about and glowed upon so often in this podcast, is hurt. He's in concussion protocol. Another loss to this offense. It's already just, just they don't know what they're doing out there. It's it's bad. The good news is the defense is still strong. I mean, 24 points to the Rams, that's not great. But for the most part, they kept them in it for the first half. It was 10-3 to at the half. The Bears had every opportunity to come back. But they kept turning the ball over. And the Rams just proved to be too much. I mean, Jared Goff, he wasn't great. Only 220 passing yards, but he scored twice. And the running back game, I mean, Daryl Henderson, Malcolm Brown, they're strong. Over 100 yards on 25 rushes for the two of them and a touchdown for Malcolm Brown. I mean, that's, that's all you can ask for. And when Cam Akers is healthy, that's one of the better three-man tandems of running backs in the NFL. And they have one of the best head coaches in the NFL and Sean McVay as well and a solid defense. I mean, you make up a defense with Jalen Ramsey and the at the third level and Aaron Donald at the front. You're gonna you're gonna make some plays. They have a good defense. And if we're talking Bears and their future here, uh, they got a couple tough games in a row. They have two straight really tough games against the Saints, who are hot. Michael Thomas is supposed to be back coming up this Sunday, 325. After the way they played against the Rams. I think the Saints get it done against them too. I like Drew Brees and the fact that he'll have Michael Thomas back. And I think that offense is going to outplay the Bears offense, frankly. I don't think it has necessarily much to do about their defense. The Bears defense can keep them in football games. And I think I expect them to do that against the Saints. But I think the Saints have more firepower. And they need, the Bears need firepower. That's what they're lacking right now outside of Allen Robinson. They don't have a star on that offense. Titans the week afterward. That's going to be a tough game. Derrick Henry is going to run the football and run it hard up the middle. That's going to be a tough win. But if game, just in general, after that, Vikings at Packers, Lions, Texans at Vikings at Jaguars, home against the Packers to end this. Or yes, home against the Packers to end the season. We're talking maybe three, four losses there in the last 10 games, I mean, I think they're 10-11 win football team and they make the playoffs. That's that's what my expectations for the Bears are going forward without another star on the offense. 
Here's the thing, though. If I'm the Chicago Bears, and I know you just spent a fourth-round pick to trade for Nick Foles, but if I'm the Chicago Bears, and I'm sitting there with a first-round pick, a second-round pick, a third-round pick, a fifth, and a sixth, you've got to think, I mean, can I go out there and get Matt Ryan? Are the Falcons going to are the Falcons selling? Would they would they take a first and a third in this year's draft with the Falcons then tanking potentially, trying to get Trevor Fields even there at the top? If the if the Falcons are enamored by somebody at the top of this draft, you have to think they at least consider moving Matt Ryan. And to what better team than the Chicago Bears, where Matt Ryan would go in, play for a contender right away. Matt Ryan, a guy with Super Bowl experience, kind of like Nick Foles, and that's what drew the Bears to Nick Foles was his Super Bowl experience. Matt Ryan has the same. He lost, he didn't win, but he's ran through the playoffs before, and he could do it again with a receiver like Allen Robinson and with the supporting cast of Anthony Miller and a few others. It's tragic for Bears fans that they missed out on Sean McCoy because if they would have gotten him too and then traded for a guy like Matt Ryan... What a pairing that would be. Ryan, Leshawn McCoy, and Allen Robinson would be incredible. And if not, if not Matt Ryan, let's talk about another quarterback that's been to the Super Bowl whose team just announced that they were selling. Fire selling the team. How about Cam Newton? What a disaster scenario for Patriots fans, because that means they're like 100% giving up on this year, which is, sounds like they're kind of doing already. But Cam Newton... Cost basically no money. Basically nothing. I bet you could get him for a third round pick. That's got to sound rather ideal for a Bears fan too. Let's send a third round pick. Let's go get Cam Newton and let's make a run at this thing. Cam Newton can add so much to the running game as well, which is where they're whirling right now. You know what? I like a Cam Newton trade more than I like a Matt Ryan trade. And I know Matt, or excuse me, I know Cam Newton is a shell of the player, the MVP player he was before he got hurt. But man, like, wouldn't that excite you a little bit? That excites me, and I'm not even a Bears fan. I despise the Bears as a Lions fan and working in the Packers media. But you got to think, like, that would be a difference maker for the Chicago Bears, which is something that they need. So if I'm the Bears, I'm saying. That I'm mortgaging my future a little bit for this season and next season and going forward. Because you only have Cleo Mack for so much longer. Allen Robinson, you got to prove to him if you want to keep him. Because right now he wants out at the end of this season. I'm doing everything I can to keep the guys that I have now on a sturdy defense. And an offense that just is missing something. They're missing that running aspect. They're missing a guy like Cam Newton, a guy like Matt Ryan, who I know I called Nick Foles a leader last week, but he's he doesn't have the talent. He doesn't have the talent there. I think Cam Newton and Matt Ryan still could. I think those are guys that still have stuff in the tank and help the Bears maybe even surpass the Green Bay Packers because of how talented their defense is. We'll see. 
We'll see. It's going to be interesting to watch. Trade deadline on Tuesday. And guys, this has been Navigating the North. I'm Dan Plucker. Thanks for tuning in for this entire podcast. You can follow me on Twitter at Dan Plucker. Catch me on the Wendy's Big Show from 2 to 6 p.m. every weekday with those knuckleheads Leroy Butler, Gary Ellerson, and Steve Sparky Pfeiffer. Thanks so much for listening. We'll talk to you next week here on Navigating the North.